Welcome to Unpeeling the Onion, a podcast that explores the drives and motivations that guide people's best work. Other podcasts ask what people do or how they do it. Unpeeling the Onion asks why. My name is Marcus Banks. Our first conversation is with Marnie Rosenberg, the Crossroads Coach. Marnie excels at guiding her clients through challenging personal transitions, decision points, or crossroads. I know this from personal experience, having worked with Marnie a few years ago. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Marnie Rosenberg, the Crossroads Coach. Your coaching practice is focused on people at key crossroads in their lives, which you define very broadly. That'd be one thing to be interesting to talk about. But what drew you as the Crossroads Coach to focus on people at crossroads? Great question. I think about, I think of crossroads as just being decision points really. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we do over and over again over the course of a day. We're constantly making decisions, but we tend to really think about the big ones, right? And so coming up with the name, the Crossroads Coach, I was just thinking about what are those moments where it makes the most sense for me to intersect with clients or where are they most likely to reach out to me for some support? And it's these major moments of decision, and that could be around careers, it could be around, you know, an East Coast, West Coast move, it could be around relationships, something personal development. Really, we're all in transition all the time. We're constantly making decisions, but it's some of those bigger ones that lead people to reach out. Um, so that's exciting for me in terms of where I get to meet people in their lives. And so then... You know, when we were emailing, I thought it was intriguing. You said sometimes the crossroads could even be a change in self-confidence. So it's not. So it is from those huge decision junctures. You know, do I get married? Do I change? Do I change a career down down to, if you will, uh, a, a sort of an internal crossroads? Is that is that how you f- frame it, or do you see those? Or do you see the more like decision crossroads as different than kind of the self-confidence type crossroads? What's interesting, Marcus, is that people will present themselves with a particular story, and most of the time it will sound like the job decisions, you know, the leadership decisions, Uh the, you know, option A or option B choices, and yet there will be these underlying (laughs) Tides, <laughs> sure. for lack of a better word, right? These, this, this un- undercurrent, maybe is, is the way to talk about it, that they might not have noticed, right? So there's there's the there's the surface presentation. Hey, I'm looking for a coach to help me figure out option A or option B. But when you get into it, when people let their guard down and start talking about why they haven't been able to choose, mm-hmm. or that they've had a leaning towards option A but they haven't done it, that's when some of these other themes emerge and we find ourselves talking about confidence, confidence in having, you know, how you make decisions, confidence in having a voice or speaking up, right? Confidence in making a career shift when somebody told you that it wasn't a good idea. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, suddenly, if that client is open to it, right, because sometimes people choose not to talk about these things but for those clients that really let their guard down and and allow the conversation to flow and allow curiosity around these topics 
then suddenly we're talking about something else, right? How do we get your confidence up to make that choice that you've kind of already made? You've revealed to me that you really are leaning towards option A, but you haven't moved there yet. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how to get out of your own way, right? So there's the, there's the surface presentation of what a client says they want to work with me on, and then I, I listen you know, very intently as a coach for some of these other themes to emerge that someone might not be aware of. It's the metacognition. It's the ability to then reflect on what's really holding them back from from whatever they they claim you know nominally want to do. So you try you you as the coach are trying to pull that out from. I don't. I'm not always certain that there's something to pull out. Okay. You know, I I trust that. I trust that. If it's important, it will come out, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. so you'll hear someone mention something a couple of times, right? Oh, my, my father this or my parents that, and, you know, with regard to this decision. Right? I'll hear something once, I'll hear it twice, and then I'm really paying attention, and I will say, you know, I, I noticed, Marcus, that you've mentioned your parents a couple of times. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what impact did they have on the decisions that you make, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, there may or may not be something there, but... If there is something there, it tends to sort of bubble over, right? It's like when, like I said, when you let your guard down, these things do come out, and 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 I just hold that space for them to talk about it, you know, safely, right? Maybe this is something that you haven't talked about often, but does it play a part in how you're making these decisions, right? So, so it's not that I'm digging to find what's beneath the surface, or sure, you know. Sure. Have any have any certainty on how many layers there are to their onion, um, <laughs> yes. but but when people have the opportunity to talk freely, yep, they bring this stuff up, and I'm just a mirror to reflect it back and say, hey, listen, I I heard you mention this a couple times. I I just wanted to help you figure out if there's something there, because then we might want to look at something else, right? And and I trust that people make good decisions. I'm I'm very quick to point that out. Listen, you're you know, you're at this place in your career, in your life, where you have to believe you've made reasonably good decisions because you're doing them every day of your life, right? So there's something about this particular crossroads, this particular decision that's tripping you up. Yes. But let's look at how historically you've done a good job of making decisions. There's something to this that maybe you haven't noticed, and maybe together we can figure that out. That reminds me, there was a, I went to a conference a couple years, months ago, where the this concept, uh, this phrase base, it's base rate underutilization, <laughs> which essentially we always look at the outliers and we think that stands for everything. So, so for example, we may have made twenty or thirty good decisions in in a single day. Uh, you know, we will we ate the healthy salad rather than the unhealthy burger or whatever. <laughs> but then, but then, but then the one thing that you did that you regret that you know later in the day you did have. Uh, the cookie rather than the quinoa or whatever. Like then, you, then, you, then, you, then you think, oh, I, I'm such a slob. I just, eat, you know what I mean? Like, 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 like we. I always for, have we, the cookie, Marcus. Yes. Oh, good. That's fine. <laughs> but like, but people are so hard, you know, like they forget all the, the what they've done that's well, or, or like we all. It's just I don't know. There's something in the, the brain that, that seems to naturally gravitate, towards uh, the. You know, it could be evolutionary, like that, like the, the negative. You know, like like what's the, what's 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 wrong here, rather than what's right. So I guess, like when I was uh, working with you, I felt like that you one of your strengths was f- being able to help people reframe that so that they would understand um, 
they didn't <laughs> commit base rate underutilization and, and, and recognize all the things that they had, had done well. We definitely harp on our failures. You know, that's, that's, that's what we see. And, and what I like to do is help clients spread all of their stories out on the table and tell them to me, tell me, or actually maybe a better way to talk about it is, is a redirect, right? So you're telling me about this, this decision that you think didn't go well, but tell me about all the decisions that led you up to that point, right? Let's, let's reconfirm why it was a good decision for that moment in your life, for, you know, the information that you had at the time. And by walking, by walking with them through that story, really having them tell me that story and reframing it for them, they can see that decision after decision after decision was made with good intentions and the best information that they had at the time. And sure, hindsight is twenty twenty, but you can't change that, right? So how do you learn to trust yourself so that the next next decision is made the same way, right? This isn't evidence of your you know, your failure. This is another decision that you're making from the standpoint of this knowledge and this experience. Trust it and trust that if you need to pivot again in the future, you'll do that because that's your story all along. On that note, the note of pivoting, I, the one question I'd sent you, which maybe uh, we're going to do last, but I think it's more appropriate now. You you yourself had made a big pivot when you decided to become a coach after a career in uh, advertising. I, so uh, where uh, please describe that, that path that you took to become a coach. Sure. When I was in high school, all I wanted to do was work in advertising. Okay. I was I was obsessed with jingles and, you know, commercials and radio ads and I think part of it was just this curiosity around how does it work? You know, why why does seeing this on television or reading it in a magazine make me want to buy that thing? Um so it was it was curiosity and also just being impressed by the things that stuck in my mind and so I went into college and emerged on the other end of college, still utterly focused on this path, and got into it. Um, got my first job, that you know, right after I graduated college at at an agency in New York City, and had thirteen years, thirteen or so years working at various agencies, and you know, climbing that ladder, <laughs> climbing that proverbial ladder um, into my thirties. And I was a group account director and part of senior leadership at a, at a small agency in New York. I was by any measure exactly where one would hope to be at that stage in an advertising career um, or, or possibly even beyond. Yes. Uh, you know, I had, I, had, I had status, I had recognition, I was in a, you know, a high-level management uh, role, I was training people, I was hiring people, I had a great salary, I had a good vacation set up, um, but <laughs> it just, yeah. something wasn't working. Yeah. And, you know, what I found was that over the last couple of years before I left, kind of cold turkey, was that I kept trying to fix things. Um, I kept getting hooked on certain solutions and just driving those through and seeing that they didn't make a difference. So, for example, I was convinced that my unhappiness had to do with being part of too small of a team and that I really, you know, I just I couldn't take a vacation and be clear-headed because I didn't have a, a right-hand 
person, you know, right, I want to say right hand man, a right hand person, <laughs> right -hand human. you know, to, yeah. to right hand human <laughs> to, to do the work while I was on vacation. I had this one miserable family vacation where my entire family and my nephews were out at a, a pool in South Carolina and I was inside doing um, plans for my clients for the next year. Yes. And this for me was just, you know, it just was exploding in my head. This is not right. I should be able to walk away and have a vacation. I shouldn't be doing work in the evenings and doing work on the weekends. So in the one, you know, in, in this one version of a solution, I was going to get the right person in, but then we got that person in and it didn't change it, you know, and then maybe it was about the kind of clients that I worked on and if I could work on different clients or work on fewer clients. So I kept looking for the Band-Aid <laughs> to what was really just, <laughs> you know, a hemorrhage. <laughs> yes. Really, right? It just, yeah. there was something that just, it just wasn't working for me. And I actually ended up having a, you know, a minor health issue, but it was, it was, it, it was so in my face. I actually had, I actually got dry mouth oh. and I had to look it up. I'd never experienced it before, but I could not, I could not wet my mouth. And I was going through the internet trying to figure out what autoimmune disease I had, you know, self-diagnosis yeah. that you shouldn't do right. and saw some specialists and the specialists were like, are you stressed? <laughs> I'm like, well, sure, but is it everyone? You know, this is New York, and I'm a professional, and you right. know, how do you know what's too stressed? I'm but this was this was finally my body telling me that what my brain wasn't recognizing, which is that I had I had just somehow pushed too far, and the hours were too long, and the balance was off, and something more significant needed to change, and that was just it was a wake up call. Um, and I feel lucky that I had that wake-up call because I work with a lot of clients who are really unhappy in what they're doing, but there's no, there's no huge in-your-face message that it's time to change, right? Like I'd been sitting on that fence for a long time thinking, you know, maybe I need to, you know, maybe I need to reassess, but this really pushed me off the fence, right? I need, I need, to, I need to change something more significant. Um, so I actually declared that I was going to take a sabbatical. I, I I left that job um, and said I you know I I need to travel or I need to take a break and and figure some things out. And to be honest, I thought I would go back to into that kind of work. Okay. I, you... I felt I actually felt like it wasn't it wasn't about a career change at that point. It was uh -huh. I don't know whether I need a new role or a new company, but. I, I need to walk away right now. I'm in, I'm in no position to figure that out from here. So I was trying to create this space to just breathe a little bit and travel. And, and I was helping my neighbors in New York City do some gardening, you know, and, oh, okay. and sleeping without an alarm clock waking me up. And it was about halfway through this self-declared sabbatical that I realized every time I thought about going back into work, because I thought, I'll just start interviewing and go back for a different kind of, you know, a different kind of advertising job. Every time I thought about it, I had this almost a physical reaction of like this just dread. Like I was going back to the front line of the war. Right. It was it was that it was really that intense. It was It was that intense and that was where I began to reevaluate and and it was actually 5 years ago, 5 years ago this month that I started just sort of poking around and doing some sort of career assessments and little quizzes and what colors your parachute. Sure. Yep. Try and figure out, well, what else could I do if not this? So do you remember when you took the what you thought would be the 
brief sabbatical? Like, how, was it six months? Three? Like, did you have any? Was it, was it planned or just I'll I'll go back to advertising when I'm ready? It was it was planned. Um, I you know I felt like I had to have my message for the world who was going to be ready. To, they were going to be ready to to tell me that I was crazy, right? So I did. It was all this preparation in my head. You know, what are my what are my friends and family going to say if I tell them that I'm walking away from this very well-paid job mm-hmm. with no next plan? And so I said, world, I'm taking six months off. Six months, okay. With six months off, I had, I had been yeah. trying to buy an apartment in New York City and it hadn't, it hadn't worked out. And so I thought I'm going to take some piece of this and I'm going to use it now the part that I didn't use for right. the apartment. And I said, don't, I said to my parents, don't ask me anything about my career hunt for three months, right? <laughs> this is, this is off limits. I'm, you know, I'm going to be okay. I was, I was, you know, on the one hand, I say, sometimes say I was lucky that I was able to do that, but I, but I actually think of it as like blood money, <laughs> you know, like the money that I was spending on that sabbatical was, you know, that was not gifted to me. That was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Right. And I felt like I need this now at, you know, 35 or however old I was. I need this now more than I need it for retirement. I need to reassess. Um, so it was, it was about three months in that I started, you know, thinking about what else I could do and found a coaching program okay. um, that was looked very interesting to me that was going to start in the summer of, of 2011 and signed up for that. And actually, at that point, I started looking for work to just support me through this certification program. And that's kind of a whole other whole other story because I went back to interview for advertising jobs <laughs> that oh. were exactly like the job that I'd run away from, right? Not run away from, but the, you know, the work that I'd stepped away from to shift gears. Then suddenly I thought, well, I need to make some money while I'm becoming a coach, mm-hmm. so I better go get an advertising job. And everyone was ready to have me back in a director role again. Like, great, come and head up our, you know, head up our group, take charge of these clients and it it just threw me for a loop because I wanted to be able to commit more time and energy to coaching. So I actually had a year where I was hybrid. I was doing some co- contract work in advertising while I was undergoing my coaching certification program and beginning to work with clients. I had this. I had just had the the, the blessing of a hybrid year where I had some income from my old way of life as I prepared for the new. So during that, I mean, that makes sense, even though. I guess there's an irony of well, I'm I'm still doing what I don't ultimately want to be doing, but you have to sort of build a bridge probably from the old to the new. But I I, I wanted to step back a little bit. You said, you know, you did how how what color is my parachute? Those so it's some, what that part of the phase obviously. I mean, you could have been anything, right? You what? But something drew you to the coaching role specifically during that during those discoveries. So probably ten, maybe not ten years prior let's say halfway through my advertising career, there was a moment when I had thought about social work, actually. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I had been I'd been a single woman in New York, and I was dating someone, and it didn't work out, and I walked away thinking, I really need to become a therapist because I seem to be a therapist for everyone I meet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, yeah. 
relationship that hadn't worked out, I had ended up sort of helping this person, you know, find their path forward, even in, in the breakup conversation, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, and so I actually, at that moment, it really was kind of a revelation at the time, as, as silly as the anecdote sounds, I thought, there's something to this. Everybody in my life comes to me for support and to tell their stories and for empowerment and for cheerleading and for reframing you know this is all language that i didn't have at the time but i actually was exploring you know like a master's in social work so that i could work with people in a different way because i was sort of naturally doing that anyway Mm -hmm. and then you know something ensnared me you know a, a different job some shift some shift that came up in advertising that kept me going maybe i I think I changed jobs at that point and something re-energized me at least for a time. So when I was rethinking things during my self-declared sabbatical, that came up again. And some of what emerged in some of the exercises that I was doing that I use with my clients now, it was around working with people and helping people accomplish their goals and supporting people through challenges and at their crossroads and it was it was really I was looking at a piece of paper that was probably a pro and con list of like becoming a therapist or becoming a coach. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. but coaching was not familiar to me at right. the time. Like I'd never worked with a coach. I'd never met a coach. Um uh-huh. and so I didn't have a lot of information and I needed to I needed to find that. But then suddenly that became the right path for me. Um just from the standpoint of Pro, you know, programs and certifications, right? One was going to be a longer path. I wanted to get certified as a coach, but it was a, it was a different and shorter path than, you know, going and getting an MSW, for example, right? So I was sort of working it out in my mind in what capacity I could work with people. But that was the part that really popped for me was how can I, how can I take this part of me that comes so naturally and that draws people to me and do it every day? Right and and do it in a way that that really makes a difference, <laughs> you know, really makes a difference people for people that I'm working with. I was thinking as you were talking about this journey. Yeah, there's coaching as a sort of a field is is new. You know, there's psychologists, there's psychiatrists, there's masters in social work, and then there's coaching. And so you've talked about why you you personally landed on coaching, but I just. Why do you think that this relatively recent phenomenon has sort of emerged? Uh, you know, sort of the this, this standard would be the person laying on the analyst's couch or whatever in this Freudian <laughs> pose. But but coaching seems to be a little more modern. Or do you think it fills a different fulfills a different need than the old fashioned quote unquote old fashioned psychiatry? There's you know there's definitely a gray area and part of how I was trained as a coach um, in- involved being able to explain that to people. Uh-huh. It, you know, coaching is it's it's new, but it's kind of not right. It, it, it's definitely more frequently discussed now. I think people are more comfortable with it. I think corporations are using it a lot more. Uh-huh. You know, as as a retention tool um, and a way to you know help their employees develop leadership and management skills but yes it still feels it's still newer right than therapy um and it's a lot less regulated but i'm hoping that that will change okay Um, because really you can just hang a shingle and say hey i'm a coach and if you can convince people to work with you then you're on your way right for me the credentials were important and the training was important so that i can say hey you know i've had 
you know, 800 hours of training and, you know, these curriculums and this certification from the International Coach Federation. That's important to me because anybody that I worked with, if I was looking for a coach, I would, I would want to know how they got there, not just, hey, I thought I had some good advice to share. Right. <laughs> you know, so here you yeah. go. Um, but back to that, you know, how we ex- explain it, um, and this is a generalization, and I said, you know, there is gray area, but... Often therapy starts when people feel like they've got something broken that they need to fix, uh-huh. right? Like that's where a lot of a lot of therapy conversations begin, uh, unfortunately. And it's this, you know, it's this dysfunction that I need to fix, or it's this this thing that I need to heal. And there's a lot of looking back, right? And and trying to spend that time in the past and fix something. Coaching, I see as something that's very forward-looking, right? And we will look at the past insofar as it's impacting your future, right? What stories are you telling yourself from about your past uh-huh. that are getting in the way of where you want to go? But it's really much more about looking forward, right? And we're going to figure out a step and then another step and then another step. There's this action-oriented aspect and this goal-oriented aspect of coaching that I don't think always shows up in therapy. Yeah, therapy is right? more, more repair, healing, yeah, it's sort of dealing with uh, perhaps a, a trauma, or, you know, who knows, whatever. Obviously, yeah, it's so generalized, right? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. so generalized. I've, I've talked to therapists about issues that don't feel broken, just things that I wanted to gain clarity around, right? It's a tremendously valuable field. And actually, I love working with clients who also work with or have worked with therapists because they're self-aware and they're used to bringing up these stories and they're used to talking about themselves, right? Some people are less comfortable with that. but, But generally speaking, and I know, you know, people have issues with whatever definition we put out there but generally speaking yes coaching is action-oriented goal-focused you know i'm i'm your coach kind of like a sports coach right like i'm here watching you play your game and trying to help you get there Mm -hmm. right and i don't think that people talk about therapy in exactly the same way but there are certainly people that i talk to that could go either way could benefit in this moment or at this crossroads by talking to a coach or talking to a therapist and that's where it comes down to rapport right and and how i talk about you know what we can do together versus a therapist you know just a personal fit thing at the end of the day we benefit by finding somebody to talk to that we can trust that can be objective and not push us Mm -hmm. and i think that you know both disciplines can do that um but I see coaching as an opportunity to intersect with people when they're thinking about how they can go from good to great, right? Yeah, yeah. How they can make these adjustments that will make their lives feel better. I don't tend to work with people who sure. come to me like there's something broken. They're like, so I'm standing here and I'm trying to go there. I'm trying to climb that mountain and I'm stuck. You know, will you help me climb it? I'm like, great. I'm ready to be your Sherpa. You know, yeah. let me go with you for the ride. That's a really exciting moment to intersect with people. And for me, that made it the better choice than yeah. therapy where I feel like I might be the kind of person who would absorb some of that burden. Yes, yep. Right? Which, that, which is that often. It could be a lighter endeavor for me to, to support people in in these exciting goals that they have rather than trying the, to fix Yeah, something. they're more future-facing. They're Yes. Right, yep. 
Well, so I that so the other question I had sent you, and this is, I mean, again, we don't to at the risk of overgeneralizing. Do you see? So you have you have clients from all all different walks of life, but I guess the commonality is they're they're looking to make a, a positive change in their lives, whatever that might be, and those are very individual circumstances. But do you see? Have you seen any patterns, or is it truly every story is its own story? No, there are definitely themes. Um, there are definitely themes. I find that, so I have a, a, a pretty large set of clients that will come to me and say, I'm thinking about a career shift, Okay. but I don't know exactly what I want to do. So I need help exploring, investigating what else I could enjoy. And when we get into it, what often happens is that they're confessing that they've always thought about doing something specific, right? There, there actually is some seed of an idea for something else that they want to do. Oh, actually, I really always thought about, oh, you know, starting my own business, or I always thought that maybe I'd, you know, whatever, do X, Y, Z. But that didn't come out initially. It was, I have no idea what else I could do. But, but truly, the story is, I've thought about doing this, and I haven't done it. And with that set of clients... It's very often that confidence conversation, yeah. right? right. Uh-huh. Fear, fear, failure. Yep. And confidence, and li- like being so sure that it wouldn't work out that they're not willing to vet it just a little bit to see for sure, right? And my standpoint is maybe it's not the right path for you, but wouldn't you want to know a little bit more before you decided? Right? right. We like we just shut that door before we don't even peek. We're like, oh, behind that door is this path that doesn't work. Well, let's just peek. <laughs> you know, let's just take a look at it and figure out how many more steps you could take to explore it before you rule it out. Maybe you'll rule it out, but wouldn't you want to rule it out for different reasons other than I didn't think I could? Right. You no, know, I didn't think it would survive. And so fear of failure is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly the money issue, right? This, this, this idea of, you know, you choose, you know, for love or money, but you can't have both, right? If I, if I pursue this thing that I really enjoy, how could I possibly make a living doing it, right? And, and I, you know, and I get that. We've all been there. Like, if I pr- pursue my passion, how do I make money doing it? Um, but, you know, we want to talk about it more so that, again, you vet it before you rule it out. And so this one client that I worked with recently, we talked about stuffing George in the closet for the length of the session, George being money. <laughs> George, <laughs> George, George Washington. Washington, okay. Although he's, yeah, I, yeah. I have to find out who, who's on a $100 bill. Jackson, I think. Jackson, okay. Yeah, we yeah. need to stuff Jackson in the closet. We don't have to stuff George in. I don't think but, they make $1,000 bills anymore. They used to. <laughs> but this client had a good laugh. I said, let's put George in the closet for this conversation and talk about Let's just talk freely if money didn't matter. Right. And, right. you know, it sounds cliche. Well, what if money didn't matter? But really, people allow themselves to dream a little bit more. And that's when we get into some, you know, really good conversations about, well, okay, so you've confessed that this is really your passion and you're worried about money. But let's let's explore all the possibilities around that again before you rule it out. Um, so I do see these, I do see these themes. And... Um, sometimes people are just coming off of a bad stretch where they're feeling beaten down in a job and their confidence is low and they, you know, just need to survey their success stories, you know, to believe that this shift can be a good one or their energy is low, right? Mm -hmm. I get a lot of really low energy clients that are just, they're just paralyzed because they're, you know, 
they're beaten down or they're out of balance and you know you don't dream really expansively when you're tired right right so yeah lots of themes come up and you know what every client that I talk to makes me smarter for the next one truly you know I see what makes a difference in conversations with some clients and then I will bring I will bring that to my next client right knowing that this opened some things up for Marcus so why don't I share it with you know whoever's next so you so you're still finding even I mean, how long have you been coaching full-time now five years now oh, okay so basically yeah and, and even that's great that it's still you haven't plateaued uh, you know what last year I started doing workshops mm-hmm um, that was my that was my year year three four shift was working with teams, um, and that was was really a phenomenal year getting to work with small groups. I had been working at the individual level and then doing some speaking presentations, yes, speaking engagements. But the in between that is a group of five or a group of ten or a group of twelve. I think the biggest group that I had was about sixteen or seventeen people, and. We, you know, we did assessments with them around their leadership styles, and then talked about as a group, you know, how they work together, and and some, you know, specific stories that maybe they would want to tackle differently, you know, given this new way of thinking about themselves. So, I prevent the plateaus by introducing yeah. new services, you know, yeah. working with different groups of people, um, you know, doing more writing. There's probably a book somewhere. In my future, I was telling you about you know the possibility of a of a radio show. Yes. There are so many different ways to share with people. You know what I believe is that we're not ever truly stuck, right? You know that it's that it there's something else that's possible. There's there's some kind of shift that's possible, even if it's just a shift in perspective, mm-hmm. right? It is possible to change your experience, and I feel like that's such a an important message that it took me plenty of time to figure out but I shifted because I wanted to have a different experience in my life and career and the more people I can talk to about that the more excited I get so I'm just constantly looking for new you know new modes for doing that and and hope that it doesn't ever plateau and that you know I can do this until I die yeah, hey well <laughs> be nice right it's funny you mentioned individual level and then now sort of small group or teams like even with my fledgling podcast here at the moment it's all like one-on-one interviews but you know you a couple years out it might be uh, interviewing a group or you know similarly yeah because otherwise it might become rote if you if one wasn't yeah. willing to uh expand the repertoire yeah well and and when you have that kind of variety it Obviously, it keeps you excited about it, but somehow they continue to inform each other, right? You know, things that I talk about in a group setting change the way that I work with individuals, right? Or redirect me in the types of individuals that I want to work with, right? Uh So it's like the more you expose yourself to, the better it will be. And in my early years of coaching, I just said yes to everything. Like, sure, I'll try this and I'll try that. I'll work with that kind of client that I didn't expect to, to work with because it just opened things up for me. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see it plateauing. And I think case in point is I had, you know, I had a baby a few months ago yes. and was reaching back out to clients to schedule, to schedule their sessions um, after I had my baby and people marveled. They're like, you're working again? What are you doing working again? 
And I said, you know, I love what I do, right? You know what I do? I talk to people about their <laughs> dreams. <laughs> I talk to people about, you know, what they're excited about and what they're scared about. It doesn't make sense to me to have a baby and be like, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Right, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I love that. And that actually gets me really excited, too. So it's like my energy source to work with clients, too. It almost it almost feels like cheating, right? Because I get paid by my clients, mm-hmm. you know, monetarily, but I also get paid in, it sounds so cheesy, right? But I get paid in just energy, right? I really connect with people and that is so meaningful to me that when I talk to people, I'm getting something more out of it than just, you know, a, 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 a paycheck, a, pay, a, <laughs> yeah. a quote-unquote paycheck. Yeah. And that, Marcus, is... <laughs> The center of my onion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There it Thank, is. We've gotten there. We made it. Found your way. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Marnie. I do really appreciate it. It's been... welcome. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to this first episode of Unpeeling the Onion. And special thanks to Marnie Rosenberg. For more details about what we discussed, please visit the show notes at unpeelingtheonion.tumblr.com.